0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip podcast. My guest today is Ursula Eisen, founder and CEO of Red Swan, a consulting agency based in Vienna that specializes in developing future scenarios. At Red Swan, Ursula works with people interested in how their current choices can impact their future. Through the scenario thinking process, Ursula forces her clients into the unknown by allowing them to deep dive into the critical uncertainties they may have in their future. She then helps them use creative out of the box thinking so that they can be ready to face a variety of outcomes. These techniques lend themselves to motivation, focus goals and hidden visions. So actionable steps can be created and taken. So this is going to be a very, very interesting conversation today. I don't think I've had a guest that delved specifically in, into future outcomes. So Ursula, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: So I need to hear all about this, right? First of all, you have a an amazing name for your company, Red Swan, and you. you you are also doing... You know, what sounds like pretty amazing work. I imagine that it's it's not so easy to explain to people, you know, in an elevator pitch exactly what it is that you do. I was wondering if you can take a few minutes and fill us in on who you are and why you are so amazing.
1: Thank you very much for this very generous introduction. Wonderful. I sound good on paper. As you mentioned i'm the founder and ceo of uh, red swan a boutique consultancy based in vienna and we are uh, specialized in development of future scenarios why are we doing that do we really think we can predict the future something like that actually The contrary is the case. We do not think that we can predict the future, but that we can co-create it. So what we are doing is actually about turning uncertainty into an advantage. And with that, we come to a very difficult topic, because let's be honest, people hate uncertainty. But as a matter of fact, since the pandemic started, we are confronted with a lot of uncertainty. And I must say, since 2020, my phone didn't stop ringing. I had so many new clients, so many organizations calling me um, and asking me, don't you have a process for turning uncertainty into an advantage? We really think we should develop develop future scenarios right now, because uh, now it's really important to do so. And uh, it's actually we are developing good scenarios and we are also developing bad scenarios. And very often I am asked also sometimes by my clients, why are there these bad scenarios? Isn't that like, you know, pessimistic thinking or something like that? And that's also not the case. I think you really need to face reality to create your future. What I really do not want to do is give people false hopes because false hopes can be very detrimental to people. Like, you know, if you say, oh, uh, in two weeks, the pandemic will be gone. Oh, next two weeks, the pandemic will be gone. That really takes a toll on people. Uh, but if you think, okay, now we might face even a whole decade of one crisis after the other, There are not so many bad things that can come your way then. Of course, it's not a very good outlook, but you can prepare for everything. And I think the best way to do so is uh, to know what your specific driving forces are, what the critical uncertainties of the future are for you, what different scenarios could look like to try to really imagine that like a method actor, like different scenarios, imagine, really live in it. And then, then you create a lot of awareness. And of course we know awareness is not enough. You have to take action, right? So next thing is from all of that, what are inspired action steps we can take now on basis of what we found out and what did we find out actually these driving forces are usually our core values core values and core principles and i found out that this is very important during a crisis so many people are really now like tossed around and they because they don't have this guideline so i'd like to help them to see that what is important in your business what is important in your life to have that as a beacon of light to guide you through the crisis
0: that is really really interesting and you know part of what comes to mind for me is First of all, how terrible the pandemic has been business-wise for some groups of people and how wonderful it has been for others, Mm. right? And there are so many in-betweens, you know, within that, right? At least here in this country, we have, you know, like a mass migration of people that are coming from uh, more expensive places to live to cheaper places to live, right? Namely, people who live in California and New York are moving to Texas and Florida. In Europe, you had you know we now have this we now have this war going on, which has got everybody on edge, right? And these are things we really didn't think about a year ago, right? These are things that uh, that we're like, oh, come on, you know who could have who could have predicted that? And it's like, hello, you know, surprise, here it is, right? And you know when you mentioned looking at the ter- at the bad outcomes as well and trying to predict those, you know, it does actually. Help in giving you some clarity, even though it may be a little bit far-fetched to think like that. It's like nobody wants to think of war in Eastern Europe, but lo and behold, here we are, right? And nobody wants to think about a, you, you know going into more lockdowns, but we have all these different variants you know floating around. So exactly. At what point do those scenarios become so far-fetched that they're not even considered? I mean, you know, it's like two years ago, if someone would have said, yeah, well, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to completely remove Russia from the, from the economics, uh, you know, from the international monetary system, everyone would have thought that you mm-hmm. were nuts. But look, you know, here's where we are now, right? So there are a lot of things that were just really far-fetched not too long ago, and now they are a reality today. Where, do, where does that needle stop? When you're trying to plan for these really good things that could be happening in the economy and these really bad things as well
1: Mm. well actually it doesn't have to you don't we do not go down the rabbit hole right it's not like really black thinking like you would call it like everything is just bad we will die everyone who does something like that we do not go there what we are actually doing and it's interesting that you mentioned it, that two years ago, we wouldn't have thought of that. Actually, <laughs> actually, uh, if you put a group of people together who are smart, they actually have a pretty good guess at the things that could happen. Just as a matter of fact, in Before the pandemic in the year 2018, I was asked by the Austrian Ministry of Technology to develop future scenarios on the topic of next generation Internet, the Internet for People 2040. So we always look very far into the future. And interestingly enough, we put together a huge expert group like you have technology experts, AI experts, philosophers, architects, sociologists, all kind of people and also uh, students, very young people who discuss this together. And actually in these scenarios, where you have to be very aware what technology, for example, could do and what harm it could do. We had one scenario out of four. We always like developing four scenarios and that was called the prisoner scenario. And it was almost like what happened. It's almost spooky. We, of course, we didn't know that this could happen, but it was like everyone is locked down. Technology is controlling them. um, Everyone is isolated from one another. So um, actually what I like so much about about um, about this methodology is that you really tap into people's intuition and um, there are always very interesting scenarios and but it's never it's never like, um, you know, the Terminator scenario or something like that. As I mentioned, AI, uh, I know a lot of AI specialists. And when you mention the Terminator, they say, oh, my gosh, that's not even interesting to us. We do not want to create new humans or something like that. That's not our topic. So this is not the science fiction kind of doom and gloom. That's not what we do. But we try to capture what really motivates people. What are their values? Are their values connecting to each other? Are they isolating each other? And then, of course, there are factors from outside, like something like regulation. We have that in there as well. Is it very strict? Is it more free? And then you have different scenarios. And then we ask, it, we ask in the group, is this a world we want to live in? And if we do not want to live in a world which is a prisoner scenario for everyone, where technology becomes a new religion and uh, you have to be controlled and uh, surveillance everywhere all the time, what can we do to change that right now? So we already asked the question in 2018 and already had scenarios that pointed in this direction. And I think the reason is Uh, because there was already a lot of loneliness caused by technology before. So you could think, okay, this might get to a very extreme place if we isolate each other from each other even more. So, uh, yeah, it's always very, very interesting, and it's always a change in perspective.
0: So what you're telling me is that you definitely want to ask broad and, uh, you know, uh, interesting questions that can help you unravel, sort of peel back the onion of what could happen based on X, Y, and Z consequences in the economy, you know, in different geopolitics and, you know, uh, consumer habits, all of that, right? So, you're, all of that. All yes. of that. So, what's happening is that what you're talking about then is a framework for getting to the bottom of you know of some of these larger issues that that you need to prompt people to actually think about as opposed to something that we generally think about in our day-to-day lives Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that framework and (laughs) like what like what makes that framework so interesting and get like you said you know like these really smart and intuitive people to start thinking a little bit more broadly about what could happen and how it could affect the lives of all of us going forward.
1: Mm, Yeah, we have typical scenario questions in the beginning to prompt these uh, what we call um, driving forces and uh, we had different tries how to really get to the driving forces of a topic and uh, the not so good way is to directly ask what are the economic driving forces what are the political driving forces what are the psychological driving forces Um, etc but the far better way and what we always do is to ask three questions Um, they sound very simple but they're very effective so the first question is if you could look into the future what would you like to know of this topic of course and the second question is if the future unfolded according to your wishes optimistically but realistically what would this future look like and the third question is if the future unfolded in the wrong direction what would you be worried about so we discussed that this is uh, the first questions and this works really really well also with individual people because like this you really come to the core so it's much better to ask these future questions than to ask what do you think is the driving force so this is very very effective to get to the bottom of
0: that Uh, you know that's very interesting because uh, those sound like like easy softball questions but they're actually (laughs) but they're but they're actually really hard-hitting once they once they're launched right because they can really unravel a host of possibilities in almost any direction can you please walk us through a scenario of how you led a company you know, through these questions and what was the outcome? Like, what were they able to figure out, you know, by going through this exercise and trying to future-proof their business? Mm -hmm. How did they do it and how did this framework help them?
1: Mm -hmm. I would like to to give a personal example. I also, I'm a um, startup mentor and I also put a lot of startups I want to work with through this process first because i want to check if we are on the same page and i actually um, also a couple of years ago before the pandemic i did this with a startup um, and uh, i thought we are getting along very well uh, then we did this scenario exercise. So we first gather ask, answer these future questions, gather the driving forces, analyze these to see what are the critical uncertainties of the future and uh, imagine different scenarios. And uh, m- maybe a bit um, um, closer to home, how are we doing that? As I said, first we gather the driving forces with the three questions. Then we have something that is called um, an impact uncertainty map. It's a matrix um, and on the the one side you have uh, the uncertainty, how certain or uncertain is the development of this driving force. And on the other side, you have the impact. How much impact does it have on my question? And if you analyze that, then you have on one side um, certain trends. These are things you can project in the future. Very typically, you have something like demography that doesn't change very much in 50 years. It can if you have migration, but um, for uh, usually demography is a certain trend. Um, also something um, something like um, uncertainty in the human being existential angst, something like that. These are certainties you have to deal with with that. And on the other side, you have the critical uncertainties. And this is actually why I say we turn uncertainty into an advantage because we work with that. You cannot change things. You you shouldn't try to change things you cannot change. Right. So we sort them out. They come to one side It's like more. okay. this is the world we have to deal with. But we will not exhaust ourselves by trying to change it. Like you mentioned, do we have more lockdowns? Do we have more regulation, etc.? This will be a certainty. This will not something we should exhaust ourselves to change. But on the other side, you have things you can change. Like for a business, your relationship to your customers, your relationship to your business partners, how you deal with technology. Do we really want that? Do we really want to close all our our, uh, physical businesses, for example, and and go all online and that kind of stuff? And here is where you can co-create the world you want to live in. So coming back to my example, I did this. So then we took two of the critical uncertainties and formed a scenario cross. It was like basically that it's you take two main dimensions form across and then you have four different scenarios and one of these scenarios for them they said oh you know what this one scenario for us looks like for us that's an out of business scenario and it was for me that was a major red flag because for me as an entrepreneur i don't have an out of business scenario i would want maybe i want to pivot uh maybe i want to do something completely different but i would never think of i'm out of business and in the and uh, i immediately know that knew that these guys don't have skin in the game I would have put all my energy in that, as I always do. I would have invested money and uh, helped them to actually build a consultancy service around their product, and uh, and I would have exhausted myself. But with this little exercise, I knew immediately we're not a good match.
0: What an amazing insight, right? Because just by going through that, you're able to you're able to uncover you know, somewhat of, uh, you know, either hidden motivations or even some, uh, or even gain some insight that you may not have known in the beginning. Like when you're, when you're talking to, you know, a head of a startup, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of gauche to ask, well, how well funded are you? How much money did you put in? Right. You know, this isn't Shark Tank, right. So you have to watch these shows, you know, in order to ask these questions, you know, a lot of time, a, a lot of times, you know, when people invest in these incredible startups, sometimes they don't even know enough questions to ask. Right. When you look yes. at the Elizabeth Holmes, uh fiasco <laughs> with for Theranos, right. A lot of people invested in that and didn't even hmm. question, like, how did this college drop out and, you know, invent the <laughs> process, you know, to, you know, to get all this information out of one uh, out of one drop of blood? But (laughs) people kept on throwing money at her, right? And why did they do it? A, because she was so engaging and so convincing, right? And I think that, um, you know, sometimes people can be mesmerized by that. And, you know, there are 20 examples like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we can go down that rabbit hole too. But what happens is, you know, just by, you know, critically thinking, you could really save yourself from a major investment blunder, from losing a lot of money by chasing a uh, by chasing a market that maybe doesn't exist or you're too early or yes. even that you mm-hmm. don't care enough about your ideal customer in order to make it happen.
1: Right? Exactly. Exactly. So how do
0: you help people like understand that like once you uncover, you know, like these major red flags? I mean, mm-hmm. have you ever had to recommend like guys I really strongly suggest that you do not go through with this? Like, how does that look?
1: Yes, of course. Um, Of course you have to do that. And of course people can decide for themselves. This I must say, I'm not this like, uh, you know, guru type. uh, (laughs) I do not want to tell people what they should or should not do, but I can decide what I want to do or do not want to do. I think that's the, the very important thing because of course, in this case, I will not say, you know what, you are not a good partner or something like that. I would just slowly, you know, draw back. And uh, you see usually one red flag comes after the other and eventually you just part ways. But it was really very enlighten- enlightening because as you said, actually, this, these guys were very charismatic. And, uh, and you, you easily can be like fooled by that. And I, I don't want to say that they tried to fool me or something like that. Maybe they didn't even know themselves. What no, they maybe really, they were
0: so passionate about their yeah. own product that they also didn't necessarily see the red flags. Yes. I mean, I I've seen that in exactly. many businesses where people get blinded yes. by the flash yeah. of what is possible. And then when you start peeling it back, it's like, wait a second, you know, this isn't. You know, yes. there's actually a lot more risk here than you're actually putting out to be. And if you don't have those kind of critical thinking skills in order to figure that part out, you hmm. could really be in a world of trouble. So, yeah, I can definitely yes. appreciate that.
1: Yes. And um, you, uh, I think the moment you see the risk, you can uh, consciously decide if you want to take it. You might still decide to take it. But, in this, uh, but then you know, okay, it's a risk is risky and I want to take this risk but in a conscious way, not in a subconscious way as you do do before. And this is, um, I think, it's really very good as you mentioned. Some people are very charismatic and good for them, (laughs) good for them. But as this process is quite analytical, maybe also I didn't mention where it comes from. It was actually invented in the 1940s by the US Air Force for strategic planning and uh, What did they want to know? The most um, important question for them, what will the enemy do? And uh, they just thought, well, that's a major uncertainty. We just cannot know. And we cannot plan only for one certain trend, like this will happen. Uh, This will be at our demise. So let's think of different kinds of scenarios. And this is also something, um, I think that's very typical for the whole process, we very often uh, do scenarios on very technological topics, but very it's always, always human behavior, which is the biggest uncertainty. And it was for in this process from the very beginning. We just don't know. People are unpredictable and you cannot and should not try to control them. Just think of creative ways how you could imagine how they would act or something like that so and then uh in uh, in the 1960s this process was famously adapted by the oil company royal dutch shell and they were very successful with that they were able to skyrocket from a rather weak market position to number two of the top oil companies in the world and they are doing that since then always all the time all the time and uh, they always also had very great success with kind of predicting uh, what happened in the soviet union with the fall of the iron curtain and uh, this is very nice story in this case they, they always presented their scenarios also to politicians governmental organizations and the shell team presented their they called it the greening of russia scenarios uh, to the cia and the boss of the cia laughed at them. It was like in the beginning of the 1980s. And he was like, you guys, I mean, we are the strongest, um, most prolific intelligence service in the world. You just don't have the data. You don't have you don't know what we know. Well, lo and behold, (laughs) they were right about that. And uh, he apologized. And then he said, but come on, guys, how, how can that happen? I mean, we are the CIA. How did you prepare for that? And we did not. And they said, well, we didn't predict it. This was even, we had different scenarios. We asked different questions and we had different scenarios and we prepared for all of them. We also didn't think that this would be the most likely scenario in our portfolio. Uh, so, this is, so this is how that works.
0: Amazing. What an amazing insight. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Ursula, can you please let everyone know? How they can uh, reach out, uh, get to know your agency a little bit more, and how they can reach out to you directly.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for this opportunity. My website is www.redswan.at. You can find me there. I recently also uh, started a substack, which is called Code Red by Red Swan. I would be thrilled if you would follow me there. And I have a little giveaway for you. If you're interested in booking a one-hour cost-free scenario thinking coaching session with me to find out what your core driving forces are for the future and how you can co-create your future, please send me an email just with I'm in to office at redswan.at and the first three emails will get a session with
0: me. Amazing. Ursula, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been an amazing, an amazing conversation. Very interesting. Right. It's not the kind of it's not the kind of conversation we normally get around here. And, you know, is it's just so insightful because it really does allow you to engage in more interesting scenarios and understand a little bit better, you know, the world as it revolves around us and how we interact with it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to explain that today. It
1: was my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the one big tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk.